in service of Stefan Ozic. Hello friends, welcome back to another episode of Living in Service podcast with myself, Stefan Ozic. It's good to be back as always and this was a very enjoyable and my longest yet conversation. I really enjoyed what was brought up in this discussion we had and Catalan really got to explore and explain and share his journey thus far and the teachings and experiences he has had. There's just to name a few some of what he's been through, his journey of athleticism and wanting to be a professional soccer player and how this changed and in his heart how the path changed for him. Being a foreigner, an outsider in a new country and the the struggles that he had to go through to assimilate into a new culture, his encounters with the law and decisions he made to change the route of his life. Some adventures ranging from riding a bike from Europe to Africa, the year of silence, and he explains the journey and the process of what came up. This is just a few things to share for Catalan and I feel the conversation will do enough of the speaking. I also must say that this episode was recorded via Zoom because he is out journeying in Bali so we didn't get to do a face-to-face conversation. As I've said in the past I really do prefer having conversations in person uh, not only for um, the audio but it's just it's more powerful and more potent to be in the space and the presence of the person that um, I'm interviewing and we are having a conversation with it just happens to bring more richness to it so yeah as always that is a very uh, main focus of mine so in this case it is what it is Um, and regardless the conversation was amazing so Again, to Catalan, I'm super grateful to him. Without further ado, I'd like to bring to you this conversation with Catalan and living in service. Oh, and just quickly, uh, at the start of the conversation and throughout the conversation, there's a bit of coughing from myself. I actually had COVID, so that is just a little heads up that hopefully you don't get too annoyed with the coughing. But yeah, I had to work through it and get through it and I did fortunately so anyway I won't hold you up any longer hope you're all well and I hope you're enjoying this conversation much love yo what's up my man let me see I gotta turn the video on out there there we go am I uh, can you see me clearly or am I yeah 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 good good what's up brother nearly healing (laughs) nearly there but, um, it's taking time, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is, bro. I'm, and I'm and, and I'm just really making sure to listen to the body, eh? Because it's really tempting to get back into training, go to the gym, start doing some pull-ups, and but yeah, I've just got to just be humble, slow down. Yeah, for sure. That's yeah. something I had to along the along the journey as well to be able to rest when needed. You know. Mm. Do you feel we get caught up? 
Yeah, definitely. How, how, how does that kind of, I've already pressed record as well, so I guess we're underway. Um, but how does that, how does that kind of tie into a lot of your, like what you've been going through, you know, in your journey like that, what you just said? Well, I'm, I'm really learning how to slow everything down, to be honest. Mm. Why I'm enjoying doing this uh, Hatha yoga practice in the mornings. Because it's important to be able to be still. Yeah. Everything's moving so fast these days, you know? Yeah. And we get caught up on this, like, doing more, doing more, doing more. Sometimes we just need to chill out, mm. give them time. Yeah. Could you, well, I'll, I'll introduce you first, but with the Hatha Yoga, uh, could you, well, for, well, Actually, I'll bring it back. Welcome. Um, thanks so much for doing this, bro. I'm super stoked that uh, you could take the time. And yeah, it's it's not, you know, to be giving away an hour, hour and a half, two hours potentially of your day. It's, you know, as you just said, in this busy life. But yeah, it means a lot, you know. And um, yeah, this podcast is really an aim to explore and delve deeper into kind of uh, people's uh, that are living life living a life of meaning, living a life of value, living a life of purpose. And the moment that we reconnected, when was it? Probably four or five years ago. I was like, yeah, this, this brother's really living a life where he's intentional and you're wearing the T-shirt now, another beautiful day. I want to really start tapping into that and exploring that. But yeah, you are living each day in a beautiful way because each day is beautiful. And I just think it's freaking cool to see and how you're going about it and what you're doing. So yeah, welcome. Welcome to the podcast, bro. Very much. Thank you for having me. Uh, cool. Yes. I'm happy to be here. And uh, thank you for having me. I do appreciate it. It is, uh, it is my very first podcast, actually. Oh, wow. Really? First, first interview? And... Yes, I, I did uh, speak on radio once back in back in the days but uh, this is my first time actually sitting down doing a podcast and i'm happy to be doing it with you yeah beautiful it's, it's awesome that yeah this could be your genesis one because i'm pretty sure that the more people hear of your story it's 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 going to be valuable to have this long-form discussion and that's one thing i love about uh, podcasts too and what i'm learning to love because this you'll be my uh, sixth episode i believe now is that um you it gives so much room and space for the person to really share and to really expand on themselves and there's no hiding in these long-form mm. discussions that the person's character really comes out that's something i've mm. noticed and it's you know so so that ties into something i want to bring up later in the conversation talk about vulnerability so yeah, that's kind of a cool segue. But um, I guess, to, well, we started off with that Hatha. I'd like to explore that just before we get into your story. But um, what, what, what's this Hatha yoga you've been uh, exploring and practicing? I've, um, I've uh, experienced, played around with different types of exercise over the years. And uh, I just felt drawn to yoga and uh, I got put in touch with this uh, lady who just finished her Hatha Yoga training. So I'm her first student, actually. And um, 
it's a practice that she put together for me especially i'm doing a lot of um a lot of twisting movements and holding poses for one to two minutes longer duration um it's very slow it's uh, about connecting with the body breathing through the difficulties and it's a great way to start the day um it's a it's a new form of uh, exercise and a way of living for me so i'll be able to tell you more in a couple of years how how the journey goes yeah yeah yeah, yeah you said that because generally for those listening yoga you, you tend to well yoga is for those that actually don't know, yoga isn't necessarily just the postures that people traditionally understand it as. Yoga is actually an arm. It's an umbrella. It's a term. It's a lifestyle. It's a philosophy, you could say. And it consists of different branches and the postures side of things. So the traditional understanding that a lot of listeners probably have is the is the contortions, is the bending, is the, um, is the rolling forward. And as you just you just stated um the twisting so that's what people tend to understand yoga is but that's actually just one component of yoga um mm. and when you're talking about hatha yoga something that got me that i'm actually keen to explore is the holding traditionally when you hold a posture in yoga and in, in, in standard um lineages that it's usually held for probably you know five six breaths so you're saying that your yours are held for like 30 seconds to a minute. And one to two minutes. Yeah, well, yeah, even yeah, one to two and, minutes. And this is only the beginning. You you get into much longer holds. I'll yeah. show you an exercise on and uh, you're you're gonna try it out, and maybe your audience will try it out too. It really changed my life. I can I can tell you quickly now, actually. Yeah, yeah, do. It's a very simple exercise that I was introduced to, to um, maybe just over three months ago. So I've done it over a hundred times now. It's something that I've uh, introduced into my daily practice, and it's uh, it's helping me to um, adjust my posture, and it's uh, it's made me a lot stronger in only a hundred days plus, just over a hundred days. So what you do is you split your middle fingers put one arm to the sky do the same with the other hand and put this arm bro we could actually do it right now and, we hope, <laughs> and th this will be an experience that everybody who's watching can part partake in and, and for, those that aren't, for those that aren't uh watching basically were or emulating the peace sign, right? Like the peace, come in peace sign. Yeah, uh, kind of like, you yes. know, on ET, kind of like peace, that kind of yes. kind of so symbol. You, this way. Uh, I, I can start a timer. You got a timer? Um, yeah. Let's do this, bro. This is, I, I'm very happy to do this. <laughs> Sweet. Well, I press, do I press this timer now? Yeah, 11 minutes, okay? Oh, I can't, no, no, I can't do that for 11 <laughs> minutes. Well, at least not now. At least not now. I could try it for like talking to you now for like um, 30 seconds. I'm already like, this is intense. So you, you hold this for 11, you hold this for 11 minutes. Yes, have you started? Yeah. 
Okay, so I don't have to explain too much about this posture because those of uh, you who will try it out will uh, understand yeah, by I doing can, it. I can already I can already tell where a lot of tension and and um, fatigue is already drawing in my shoulder, and even even in my um, scapula, even in my core, you can already sense how it's forcing that tension in those areas so this is held for 11 minutes Catalan. this is held for 11 minutes i was introduced to it i i tried it out without questioning and as soon as i did the very first hold i i knew that my body needed this mm. yes. Yes. right right off right off the bat we're already in deep I, i'm not gonna i'm not gonna be able to hold this posture and then have the mental capacity to be able to ask questions and communicate with you but for those listening but just to kind of uh reframe again what it is we're actually doing we've both got the peace type symbol where the two the t the four main fingers are, are conjoined in that kind of peace in that peace sign and we've created one one of my right arm is facing upwards towards the sky and my left armwards is faced a lot like probably say 90 degrees it's almost like you're looking at a clock looking at um three o'clock on a on a on a watch face if you're to looking if you're looking front on and we're basically yeah, just holding this position right now yes and we're gonna hold this for 11 minutes uh, I, I'm not, bro. I'm not, I'm not, bro. I'm not holding this for 11 minutes, bro. I, it's too much. I can't, I'm even struggling just to focus and I'm sweating already. Um, but mind you, I do feel this, the benefits in this. So this is something that I've noticed with you um, and uh, through, through your Instagram, which again, we'll tap, we'll tap into some more. Uh, you share a lot of these, your daily practices that you um that you practice, yeah, uh, throughout your throughout your days, and you're already in these different environments. And how much does that play a part in your just your day to day life? You know, a daily practice and the likes of that. Bro, <laughs> <laughs> bro, I think we're gonna put like, our camp, bro. Bro, that was two minutes forty. No, nah, I'm gonna keep me going. Okay. I'm gonna do it. Ever. Yeah, yeah I can't. Not... it's too much, too much for me. I can't focus. <laughs> I don't know what I've got up myself into now. Um, the spiritual journey here. Yeah. Yes. So um, it's funny you mentioned that because I was just about to make a small video and post it on social media about how important um, a daily routine is. That's too much, Catalan, but I can't, I can't, my focus... And I'm all about and I'm all about endurance, man. And you've just crushed me in two minutes forty. Uh, now it's now it's three minutes. <laughs> all right, so uh, I'll keep doing it. Okay. We'll see, yeah, good on you. Well, I'm, I've got the timer still going, so we'll just pass three minutes ten. Um. So yeah, with with that uh, with the the practice. Sorry, I didn't really hear what your answer was, Catalan. Um, with you know, I remember one you're doing the other day where you'd uh, you're almost in that that horse. I think it's the horse posture. Is that the? It's a um, it's a qigong a qigong posture, I believe. Where you uh, would be 
Yeah. Okay. So like, how much is that, how much is that playing a vital role in your process and like your, your day to day? The, these postures, people got to understand that it's not just a little bit of exercise. It really is. Uh, it really is a bit of a spiritual journey. Every time you go into one of those, because you, you have to be able to go beyond the mind. The mind will not want it. Mm. Um, you got to learn how to breathe through that difficulty. And it, it makes, makes your, your daily challenges easier. Mm. If you know what I mean. Absolutely. I absolutely know what you mean. Because just then for me, I, cause I guess I wasn't in that, in that frame of mind, but there is a, there is a frame of mind you have to be in, but you could almost say a lack of frame of mind. You almost don't want your mind involved in the process because it's going to. But it will always come. Yeah. It will jump in. Some thoughts will always pop up. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, as far as uh, daily routine goes, I, I really, I really think that everybody should, should sit down and figure out a routine for themselves and uh, mine has changed a lot over the years i'm i'm figuring it out you know i'm trying different things out and uh, waking up early and getting the day started with some uh, uh, exercise uh, meditation breath work whatever it is that one chooses to embark on um is a great way to start the day and yes very important in my opinion yeah that was something i was gonna actually ask you like with your lifestyle with being so um you could say not having necessarily like a home base per se quote unquote because you do Mm. i guess everywhere you are becomes your home but having that ability to upkeep um and to persistently hold a daily practice you just said that it's something that you've worked at, but what does that actually look like? And what did that look like for you in the past? I want to, I want to go to your story um, soon, but what, with the past compared to now and how much a daily practice has been something that you've um, brought into your life. Like. It's, um, it's definitely more difficult to have a daily practice and be consistent when, when you live the way I do, because For example, when uh, we were traveling with the bicycle, riding 100 kilometers per day in the middle of the desert and more. Um, Yeah, it's uh, it's difficult to to remain consistent. But Mm -hmm. um, most recently, for example, this this past year since uh, we've come to Indonesia, um, my routine looked a bit like this. I would wake up at 4.30. I always say, as soon as I wake up, the first things that I say, the first words that I say is, today's going to be a great day or another beautiful day. That's how I get out of bed. And from there, I was doing either a leg workout or an upper body workout. Um, followed by some running, followed by some uh, breath work, meditation, that's, and a healthy breakfast. 
Mm. Yeah, see, I, you're, you're, what, so what, you would have three, four, five, six, seven, you're coming up to eight minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, those listening, he's still going. I admire, I admire your grit and perseverance, brother. Uh, yeah, and so talking that's... And talking. <laughs> so with that practice, that's something that obviously you've built towards, right? You've built mm. up towards having that. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I yeah, think that... It wasn't, uh, I didn't always have a practice. I've just, um, yeah. I've tried to figure it out over the years what works best for me and waking up early and getting a practice done first thing in the morning is definitely what I'll be doing my whole life. Yeah, I agree. I'm absolutely um, all on that same path and that's something I've personally been building up building towards is um, a daily practice and having a real strong discipline structure. And as you touched on, which I want to also tap into because I've got it here down that bike journey, is that sometimes life has there's certain um, weather patterns, you could say, and there's a stormy day. And sometimes you're not going to be able to attack the practice like you could. But I think what separates it from being something that's life-affirming and consistent and a lifestyle is your ability to reset the next day or to uh, incorporate it with what you have at your disposal. So sometimes you're not going to have the ability to sit down in a quiet room and meditate. You're probably not going to have a pen and paper to write or do your daily journey, or you probably won't have a freaking toilet to be able to do your usual daily business that each day is going to offer something different, but your ability to be able to work with what you have within your capacity and within your what's available, I think is what separates you from actually living a life where you live practiced and intentional. And uh, I never beat myself up if I, if I do miss a day of practice, you know, mm -hmm. because of certain circumstances. Yeah. It is what it is, and I get back to, to it the next day. Yes. Yes, I think that's huge. I think that right there is a key tenet to life, is that it's not about being a robot, you could say, and being patterned and having the ability to do it every single day, day after day, never stop, never quit, do 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 but being able to know that you're a human being and circumstances are going to present themselves that will make it unavoidable to miss and unavoidable mm. to not attack it, but your ability to reset, as you just said, I think that is really what I'm learning. I'm beginning to learn in this life. It's just the consistency. You want it as a lifestyle. You don't need to be a robot because we're human beings. We're dynamic. Yeah. You, you want to go the You're distance, done. yeah? You're done, by the way. <laughs> That's 11 minutes? Yeah. <laughs> wow. So I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, I promise you, brother, I'm gonna do that after this conversation. Um, and when I, I'm in, in my own, in my own space, doing that now would be actually really tough, guys. Just listening, he just finished holding his hand up. Even those listening right now, even just right now, wherever you are listening, just hold your hands up and just hold them up. 
You don't even need to have any proper technique and just raise your arms up for more than a minute and you're going to get pain. It is going to be uncomfortable. Even just doing this for a minute is pretty tough. Yeah, you want to you wanna try and push them though as straight as possible. Yeah, yeah. And put your ribs in. Yeah, I'm even just saying just for the lay person that doesn't even need to worry about technique. Like <laughs> just holding your arms up is freaking hard. So something cool, a, a takeaway for the listeners right now, just incorporate something that's tough in your daily practice. It's uh, this uh, one simple practice is changing my life for sure. Wow. And it, it was important that I shared it with other people. Yes. Well, thank you for sharing it. I'll definitely be incorporating it. I'm gonna, um, in the show notes at the end, I'll have, I'll have a little list of um, all these recommendations. And even if you have some videos too, I'll add them as well. That'll be cool. I think that'll be cool for the viewers and the listeners to have. I'm not very good at technology, so you'll have to like run me through how, how that all works. But yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess on your Instagram, I mean. I guess I guess yeah. getting a video through there. Yeah, I will. I will do a <coughs> for those who will end up having a look at the page. I did um, an eleven-minute arm hold when I first started, and it was so difficult for me. I I almost cried during it, and I I would scream because the muscles that I worked on previously. Uh, were imbalanced with other muscles so i really had to push against my own self to mm. to be able to even hold my arm up i couldn't hold my arm up bro <laughs> it's crazy I, I find it just so amazing eh, with the human body that if you could just do a seemingly simple task and just prolong that for a set amount of time how much that actually brings up so much discomfort and so much pain it's almost like a metaphor for life, eh? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So I want to really um, start to go into your story, but now, Catalan, I want to take it as back as you see fit. But obviously, your, your accent, first of all, where where did this come from? What's your ethnicity and where were you born? Where did that begin? Yeah, so I was born in Romania and uh, moved to New Zealand at the age of 11 with my, wow. my sister. And when we got to New Zealand, we couldn't speak any English. So I was put in school after about three days of arriving into the country and I couldn't understand anybody. And I, I think, I don't think I know this is when I had to learn how to adapt. And since then I've just been adapting to situations everywhere I go, which probably makes it easier for me to move around the way. Hmm. So what made your, is, is it your mom, your dad, what, what, who came to New Zealand? So uh, my mom was a stay at home mother and uh, it was time for her to get a job because uh, the money situation. And she went and bought a, um, a newspaper to look for a job at the time the internet wasn't such a big thing you know <laughs> <laughs> things have changed uh, they so have she bought a newspaper to look for a job and in the newspaper there was a small article that said um 
they were looking uh, for people who had my dad's profession. Uh, they were hiring people or giving visas to people in New Zealand. And my parents had already applied to go to Canada, but we, we weren't accepted. And it cost a lot of money to apply for a visa, but uh, this was a one last try. And somehow we ended up in New Zealand because of the newspaper. Wow. It was my mom who really wanted to leave Romania. Mm. So this would have been... Uh, 2005, I believe. Okay, okay, 2005, yeah, yeah. Wow, man, 11 years old. See that right there, I want to kind of tap into uh, your ability to um, adapt kind of to the situation at hand and that when you're coming to... I think anyone coming to a country as a refugee, um, an immigrant, it's it's, it's vulnerable way, eh? you know? Did you have any, any, any connections here whatsoever in New Zealand? No, I didn't know anybody. I, I was only 11 at the time. I, I had just been shown where New Zealand was on the globe. I didn't even know where we were. I remember when, when they said uh, we're moving to New Zealand. I was like, oh, shit, we're moving to a small island. It's sunny all the time there. <laughs> <laughs> and then we got to New Zealand and cold and rainy and shit. I was like, oh no, where have we landed? How did it yeah. all begin? How did you even like start? Like, where did you really even begin coming to a country, a foreign country, not even speaking the language, starting school three days later? Like, how does that even like, how do you even start that? <laughs> uh, my parents... My parents, uh, especially my dad, he was already preparing for the move just in case we were accepted. So he was taking English uh, classes, private English classes before we left. And as we got close, as the process uh, progressed, um, they, they got me, my sister and my mother also a teacher at home. But I was so young and so full of energy and really didn't enjoy school. So for me to sit at home and learn a language that I wasn't interested in was, was just impossible. I, was, I just wanted to go outside and play with the kids, you know? Looking back now, I should have probably sat down and did a bit of uh, learning, but uh, it is what it is. So when we got to New Zealand, I was in the deep end. And I, I quickly had to, to figure it out because uh, I just couldn't understand anybody. The one thing that uh, helped me a lot was um, sport. Because I was good at playing football. I was the best in school. Everybody was attracted to me. So I made friends instantly. So sport, I do... I do see how sport can really uh, help children and everybody to, to connect with others and learn some discipline, et cetera, et cetera. Mm, so right. So right. And there's not really a language needed, right? The rules, the rules of most sports. So football was the one that you were, so soccer yeah. as for those that are not well versed in that language, football. Um, <clears throat> 
that was actually my earliest memories of you, bro. When I first met you at St. Peter's, you were in the first 11. You were in the first 11 at a young age, right? Weren't you? Yeah, I think I was one of the youngest to have a first 11 tie. You know how they were giving those ties to, yes. to kids after playing a certain amount of games? I think it's I had one yeah, at six, six or 12, maybe. It's different. Actually, think, it might be different to rugby because I, I did it for rugby and rugby is different to football for the ties. Yeah. Anyway, it's it's just the tie. Yeah. But yeah. I, but it was more than uh, a tie back then, wasn't it, bro? It must have meant uh, a lot. Yeah, when, when I got it, I was quite excited, but uh, there was a big shift in my life at that time and uh not even a year later, I gave the tie away to somebody, and it felt so good. What, not to what, be, what? A, not to be attached to something, you know. What? What about that? What? What compelled that? What did that involve? So, like I said, when I came to New Zealand, I was already playing football in Romania, and the way they they train kids in Romania is a lot more intense than how they train. In New Zealand, in Romania, we were really training to become the best. We trained like animals, you know. And then I came to New Zealand. Compared to all the other kids, I was just on a different level. And uh, I wanted to be a football player. I really wanted to be a football player. And I told everybody that I was going to be a football player. And my, one of my biggest motivators to become a professional athlete was to make money, though, and help the family to come out of poverty, you know. So by the age of uh, 15, I was already putting so much pressure on myself and everybody around me, they, they all knew me for football alone. I was just, I was the football guy. That was it, you know. And then... Um, I didn't want to be just a football guy anymore. I wanted to experience life on different levels. And I even, I remember even um, wishing that I got a break from it so that I could experience different sides of life. But I didn't know how to talk to anyone about it because I had invested my whole self into it. And I was, uh, I was afraid to tell my father or, my coach or anyone that I just wanted to step away from it because I had built so much, I had put so much pressure on myself. So I was even hoping for a, um, for an injury, which may sound sick, but when you, when you start thinking about being sick, you will become sick. And months later, I started having back problems and eventually found out that I had a stress fracture, which in time needed surgery. And that's how my football career came to an end, which I am uh, happy about because I got to experience so much more than just football because of it. Wow. Even just having the awareness to want to give it up, but also having the awareness of how much pressure you're putting on yourself are two very polar opposite, uh, you know, energies, you know, 
and having mm. that ability to think about that at such a young age. And I, I couldn't, I couldn't really comprehend that uh, when I was 15. Um, and the fact that how much pressure we put on ourselves and, you know, cause I was so fixated on being on the first 15 at around that time. And, but I didn't think that it was a pressure per se. I just thought that that was the norm. Mm. Yeah, this becomes so normalized. Um, so with, with that, once, so, so I guess that answers that with the, with the uh, football career wise, cause I was trying to remember as to what happened there. So, did, so you ended up having surgery from that, those fractures? Yeah, I, uh, I had my, so here's what happened. <clears throat> I, I found out I had a stress fracture and um, I was told to rest for six months and wear a back brace. Jeez. But I was, I was like 15 years old, bro. Wearing a back brace wasn't my thing. I, I just wanted to, by, by this time, just pussy was occupying my mind all i wanted was to have sex because i had started watching porn at the age of nine or something as soon as as soon as i was put onto porn i, I was an addict and um by 15 all i wanted was to just meet woman and because we went to a, an old boys school yeah. it was difficult and and of course, the change of country and I didn't speak the language. And then I, I was put in an all boys school. I just never had this connection with, with the feminine. Yes. Which I think is very important for, for all humans to be able to communicate um, with, with the feminine and not, not look at, at them as just uh, an end goal. But... Um, Anyway, I was told at 15 that I needed to wear a back brace and uh, I, I didn't want to do that because uh, I wanted to party instead. So after six months, I was told that it hadn't healed on its own and I was going to need surgery, which I really didn't care about. I was even, I was even thinking it was cool because to be 16 years old and have a big scar on your back, I was thinking there was the shit, you know? And uh, yeah, while waiting, I was put on the waiting list for surgery. And while waiting for surgery, I was still training for football and still playing games on painkillers and stuff. And I remember, I remember being talked about as if I was... Um, as if I was uh, an example to other people of how, how far I'm willing to take it. But playing on painkillers is, is not a good idea in any situation. Mm, that sounds so intense, bro. And I know what you mean about the, um, the woman side of things. Because those listening, uh, Catalan and I went to the same high school, uh, same college. St. Peter's was an all-boys school, Catholic school too, so you're not really reinforced as to the uh, <clears throat> inevitability and that kind of uh, process of having relations with the opposite sex because you're in a Catholic school. So that in itself, it was your condition to think uh, and, and make it more of a depraved sense of that testosterone-laden male that was festering the school, the school halls. 
So I absolutely 100% um, and those listening probably can agree that, you know, that pent up frustration and especially with pornography being part of the equation and that in itself is a whole nother conversation probably because I think that's one of the deepest rooted, um, uh, it's, a, it's almost like the real pandemic, the, the porn consumption of men and women too, but personally, um, from experience and from speaking to my other brothers that it's, it's affected so many men more than we can even perceive. And at such a young age, you know, mm. I was definitely an addict to porn and masturbation. I, I did a lot of it and I, I didn't know how it was affecting me. I was just a small child. Yeah. So yeah, nine years old. See, it's just, I can't even perceive that. Eh? It's, um, I think it's so beyond a lot of the people's heads now as well, the severity of it. It's, yeah, so this, this will kind of bring into the question where you kind of had your awakening, let's say, and this is when you and I reconnected when I was working in Alavagli in the store and you told me your story. So I'd love you to share that with the listener. But as you went down that path of chasing women, chasing mm. the high, you could say, chasing the thrill, uh, chasing, mm. you could even say, approval, right, from the peers mm. and, 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 uh, um, and, uh, and, and uh, praise from your peers. Like what, what began to unfold there and where did it lead you next? So with football out of my life, I now had time for um, the opposite sex and um, and uh, I made different friends. So I started hanging out with different people, different parts of the city, started going to parties and started drinking alcohol. Uh, this is at the age of 15. Um, yeah, and, and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed this, uh, this freedom that came with um, going out there and just doing whatever you want. I enjoyed that. And uh, I was just trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I just, I just, all I could see was I, I need to have vagina right now. Mm. And that carried on for a few years. I, from the age of 15 until the age of 22, uh, with a couple of breaks in between, I drank a lot and partied a lot and uh, basically put a lot of toxins into my body, unaware of what I was doing to myself and there was nobody stopping me. So I moved the... Uh, there's a lot that happened in between, but I'll just cut to Australia. Mm. I moved to Australia just before I turned 21. And uh, I managed uh, to get a job there within the first week, first or second week. And I had a small BMW that I was driving. I already had tattoos on my hands and my whole torso was tattooed. And... Uh, and I had quite a lot of money saved up. So when I arrived there, 
although I was thinking that I wouldn't fall back into the drinking and the partying and doing stupid shit, uh, after a short period of time, that's what happened. And I managed to turn a good, a very good situation that I was in, I managed to turn that completely upside down within eight months. And, uh, and that's really what put an end to my uh, party days and being stupid, getting arrested for the uh, third time. Being arrested for the third time in eight months was really uh, the end of those days because I was just trying so hard, working so hard and only to pay off mistakes that I was making and I didn't want to do that anymore. I had relapsed a few times. What were you, what was it when you say you're getting arrested and you look back, what was it you were wanting? What was driving that sort of, that, that behavior, you know? Um, I speak for myself, but I think a lot of men will understand uh, when I say that I wanted to be a tough guy. I wanted to show um yeah it was just it was actually just not knowing what i wanted to do with my life i was i was just lost and i was around a group of people who were all in the same situation of me and then when alcohol was involved there was there was no there was no more limits to what i was doing things just got out of hand really quick and uh, just wanting to be cool, that approval, that uh, I don't give a fuck attitude. That, that was me. I was the, I don't give a fuck about anything. But really, I did. But when I was drinking, yeah. it just, that, that went out the window. And uh, I would end up getting into a little fights. And I was uh, swearing at the police, you know, although I had no, no issue with the police ever. And uh, because it was just just what my group of guys did, that, that's the lifestyle that we lived. I, w- I was looking up to, to the gangsters. I wanted to be a gangster like, like other guys who had tattoos and muscles and the girls around them and some money, or at least looked like. I, want to, I wanted that lifestyle, you know, to be together with my brothers mm-hmm. in a group and and uh that yeah the connection with the people that freedom out of out of the system you know but i quickly realized that this wasn't the way to go for me <laughs> yeah, so what was this that third time you got arrested <laughs> oh you... uh yeah, there was uh, those days were different for sure. <laughs> yeah, this so the third time that I got arrested, I I gotta tell people like the first two times when I got arrested, I walked into the cop station, and I was like, "Fuck you, all! Fuck the police! You guys are all pigs!" Ba 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 ba, swearing at them, complete treating them like like they weren't human, you know. The first two times. 
the third well, you, time when you I you just went in, you just went in in your own will and just said this. You weren't even arrested in the first place. You just went into the station. Oh no, no, no. This is when I when I got arrested. I got arrested the first time. I got arrested for for getting into a fight. Oh, okay, okay. I got arrested three times on the same street. Yeah. <laughs> what, bro? Because <laughs> uh, I lived, I lived in Surface Paradise, Gold Coast, <coughs> and we literally lived uh, on the road where the parties were held. So it wasn't a, a great position for me to. It wasn't a good place for me to be. But uh, <laughs> anyway, the first time I got arrested for for getting into a fight, and then in the cop station, I was just. I had my gold chains, you know, they took my gold chains off, my little Gucci belt that I was wearing. And uh, I was just going at the cops full on. Second time, I literally went to the cops face and put my middle finger up and said, fuck the police. And I had done it before and got away with it. And and it was a cool thing to do in front of my peers. But on this occasion, they just weren't having it and they arrested me. This was my second time within like four or five months. And, uh, and again, when I went into the cop station, I was just wilding out. But on the third occasion when I got arrested because I was already trying to put my life back together, I was now I was now banned. I had a curfew. I was not allowed to be outside after six o'clock. And, uh, and, and then they caught me outside drunk on the same piece of land. And when they caught me, I just, I just knew that I didn't want this anymore. It was, I was causing too much suffering to my own self. I was just damaging my own self. And when I sat down on the cold bench, for those of you who have been arrested and put in a holding cell, or you will know you take your socks off and you sit down on that cold bench and you have some time to reflect and tears just ran down my face. And... Um, and I just let the tears come out. I wasn't fighting the tears back to, to, look, to look like a tough guy. I was just letting them tears roll down my face. And I knew I, knew I wasn't going to be there again. How did that come up, though, bro? That's what I'm, like, baffled with. I had the same story with, um, with my previous guest, Josh Diles, who was in, actually in a gang. And he had that moment, like an awakening, you could say. And I was really trying to explore and tap into it. And he said it wasn't necessarily a conscious decision. He said he kind of felt, he felt it. He felt his intuition just kind of murmuring in the back of his mind. And it slowly got louder and louder to the point where it was just so loud. Do you feel that was similar or was it just because you, or was it just kind of like that moment where it was like, you know what, now nah, fuck this. Like, what do you feel there was a part of your intuition knowing that how your living was just not conducive to a happy, meaningful, abundant life? Well, I, I had this feeling inside of me 
for a long time and i'm sure most people have it the feeling that they're able to do more than what they're actually doing and the decisions that i was making repeatedly were obviously not the the decisions i should have been making because i wasn't moving forward at all i was always falling back into this trap and i don't want to blame it on alcohol because it was my decision to drink and the people that i was around it has nothing to do with them i love i love all the people that i was involved with but um putting yourself in situations like these uh you, you don't move forward you actually go backwards and you you fall into this hole that becomes really difficult to get out of so when you're so deep inside this hole and you you cannot see the end of this hole you cannot see the light anymore that's when people just give up on themselves but i i could still see opportunity there far away and I, and it sounds funny for me to even talk about this now because i was only 21 22 so i i was so young that there was plenty of time for me to turn things around and for those who listen they should know that it doesn't matter what age you are at although it may be more difficult for those who have been doing it for a very long time you can still turn things around i always had this feeling that i could do more with my life and could only imagine the the things that i was i would be able to achieve if only i applied my energies correctly and that that's what i started doing what what helped me a lot is um removing myself from that area that i was in i moved to another city i moved to brisbane and i was there on my own so i was away from everybody and things were very slow to start off with um slowing slowing life down uh was very important for me because i got to sit with myself and figure out what i wanted to do and what i did was i i wrote some goals on pieces of paper and i put these goals i attached them to a wall and i could see these goals every single morning the first thing that i woke up i looked at these goals and before i went to bed i looked at these things that i wanted to achieve in my life and my goals at the time were very small one of them was to and uh, do skydiving get my skydiving license and another was to to go to thailand so my goals were very small at the time but for me they were huge because i was just stuck in this hole mm. and i they worked away um focused on them daily focused on staying out of trouble i stopped drinking and and within just a few months just a few short months i i was in thailand i i met the woman that i'm still with to this day six and a half almost six and a half years later and my goals now have just they're huge yeah i see it's so fucking amazing i want to like it's just for those listening that are on the fence you know you know and if you are listening to this and you're on the fence i thank you for even just having the time to 
get to this point in the conversation, but it's something that comes up so often is this idea that there's this feeling that there's no hope. You know, you've lived a life in a certain way and gone down this path in such a way and, mm. and, and consumed yourself in this lifestyle that you just have this sense that there's just no hope. And you said you felt, and at 21 years old, which in itself is quite fucking profoundly wise. However, it's, it's completely and utterly possible and you're still so fucking young, but you still had that, that sight. So for those listening, what would be something for, for if you're in that similar position where you feel there is no hope and that you're, you're stuck, what, what is a tool? What is something that you wish you'd heard? It sounds like you created your own sense of hope, but what was something that you wish you did here when you were so deep in it where you weren't even, where you were unable to see the way out? What's something you wish you heard in that time? And what's something you could give to someone that's in a similar position? Mm. When you're you're so far inside this hole, like I was, I didn't even listen to other people, to be honest. Mm. I was just on my own train wreck. And I, I was going to drive the train to the end, you know. And I guess everybody has to, which is sad, but I guess yeah. everybody to experience for themselves either, either an injury, something that dehabilitates them or some serious suffering, which will cause them to finally look beyond what they are doing all i can do now and all i can say all i can do is be the best version of myself and be an example to other people this way and all i can say to people is that um, they need to take care of themselves and they need to respect themselves and um and there's so much to it, but uh, your nutrition is very important. What you put inside your body. The things that I was eating were just complete rubbish at the time, you know. I was just putting all these toxins inside myself. And then you can't expect to thrive when you're putting rubbish inside of yourself. So for those who are looking at making a change in their life, start small. Start with the things that you're eating. Start by creating a routine. Set yourself some goals and maybe do like what I did. Put them goals, write them as big as you need. You see, I wrote things on my face so that I don't forget them. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah, I love it. Yeah, those listening, yeah, Catalan has tattoos, visual tattoos all over his body. It's something that I find so um, contradictory and paradoxical to your being that when we how much we associate a negative person or a rough person or a dangerous person to facial tattoos, and then here you are embodying it. He has "I love life," "Look within," "Uncomfort," "Freedom," "Another beautiful day," "Watch your thoughts," just planted over his whole body, well, his face in particular. 
And it's, I think that's <laughs> pretty potent. You've got your own uh, post-it notes on your face every single day you wake up. So mm-hmm. um, when you, okay, when you made that massive transition, you went to Thailand, and I guess this brings in the next part of the journey, right, is my understanding, where you, another beautiful day uh, manifested. How did that come about, and what is that? So when I went to Thailand, uh, a lot had changed in the way I looked at things. And that goes towards woman as well. I no longer wanted to just have sex. And the woman that I was attracting into my life were not the type of woman that I wanted to spend my, my life with. So I, I told myself that I would not go to Thailand and just look for vagina like most people, most young people do when they're on holiday. All they want to do is drink and have sex. I told myself that I will go to Thailand. I was coming from a, a bunch of trouble that I had just had and, and I, I just didn't want any of it. But when I went to Thailand, I was meeting up with a group of friends from New Zealand who I hadn't seen for a couple of years. And they knew me as Cat, the, the don't give a fuck guy, the wild guy who drinks a lot. And we went to a place called Kopangan, where there's the full moon party. So this is where I ended up after telling myself that I no longer wanted this lifestyle. I was now at this full moon party with my friends who I hadn't seen for two years. And everybody was at the table drinking every night. And I was always the last one to start drinking because I had this battle within myself, you know? And then I would drink so much because um, I, w- I-, I had this uh, feeling of um, not being able to, to have the- enough discipline to stop myself and enough courage to, to tell my friends that I will not enough enough power to stop myself from doing this so i would just drink myself into unconsciousness you know and this is after i already told myself that that my life will change so after the full moon party after being drunk for maybe 10 days in a row me and this old man who i was traveling with we went uh, to another part of the island where it's more quiet and we just I just wanted to watch the sunset and explore the island. I wanted, I wanted nothing to do with alcohol anymore. And while sitting, uh, looking at the sunset going down over this beautiful beach and palm trees everywhere, we were in a treehouse. This girl walked in and uh, we were the only ones there. Me, this older man I was traveling with, and this girl who had just walked in. And this girl is now my partner. And uh, I didn't want anything from her that night. That's the thing that people, like, I was not looking anymore. I was not searching for, for a woman, for love. It just, it just came to me. And we're still together now. And uh, 
the another beautiful day thing started a bit maybe a year later i first uh, i first did a one year long distance relationship i was still in australia and she was in germany and all of the money that we earned that year we spent on flights to see each other so the, this girl would literally we would buy a flight and she would come from germany all the way to australia for four nights and then fly back to germany and go back to work and then i wouldn't see her again for two months and then again she flew to australia was in australia for three days or something we flew to new zealand within that week came back to australia and she was back to work in germany and i was back to work in australia we we really put a lot of energy and time into building this bond over one year of uh, being at a large distance from each other and when i started um, a, a lot happened but I, this is why i wrote a whole book so that for those I'm who talk are, about that too by the way yeah, yeah. For who are really interested in seeing how things played out um there was really a lot to it but another beautiful day is from this change of mind that i was going through when i decided that no matter what happens to me every single day is beautiful no matter what i go through during a day it is my ability to handle the challenges it is up to me how i handle the challenges that come each day and i remember going to bali to meet up with elena so i was in new zealand now she was in germany and we we flew to bali to meet up and i remember walking into a a small tattoo shop that i had just randomly seen on the side of the road there's plenty of tattoo shops in bali but somehow i just chose this little place that was definitely not the fanciest and uh and i decided to put another beautiful day on my forehead which was my very first face tattoo the biggest decision i've probably made to date wow man i love it and i love it bro you know when i after putting another beautiful day on my forehead i walked outside of the tattoo shop and it was a feeling like i had never had before my heart was pumping so hard inside my chest and my concentration all had to go into how my arms were moving while walking because i i was so so inside my head i literally had to focus on how i was walking how i was swinging my arms and i knew that everybody was looking at me but uh it's it's something that i've had to learn to cope with and and look at me now i've got so many face tattoos but i'm i'm chilled out when i'm in public i'm not freaking out i don't have anxiety and i mm. yeah. interesting so you're saying that when you got that first tattoo you felt you had to 
embody and show up in such a way because you knew that you're being watched and looked at now no you had this visual tattoo on your face is that kind of what you're saying well i couldn't imagine what it feels like to make such a such a decision and uh it was scary it was scary the future is unknown and now i have a tattoo on my face after Bali, I went back to, to New Zealand. I literally had like $14 left. And I ended up staying with my mother and my sister who, who gave up. They were living together and they gave up the bed they were sleeping in to go and sleep on an inflatable bed and let me sleep on the bed. After two years after seeing them, I hadn't spent time with them for two years. And I was now in this situation where I had literally like $14. I had a tattoo on my face, no job, and uh, in a small apartment with my mom and sister. But I wasn't worried. <laughs> I wasn't worried. I just knew. I knew that I would be fine. And what I did is I bought myself some books. I had a couple of books. I had never read a book uh, front to end until the age of 22. Wow. So I bought myself some books. I remember walking towards the beach with this book in my pocket. And I just sat at the beach with no money, no job, no idea what was going to happen in my life and a face tattoo. And I just put my attention into... Uh, understanding what I was reading from the book. So I was focusing on the moment. And literally within two weeks, uh, I had already, I was already on my second job and getting paid a lot and money was coming in and the tattoo really didn't matter for me to get a job. And, and things just picked up speed very fast. So another... That's, a, that's such a compelling story. So the story of grit, bro, and it's the kind of um, the real canvas theme throughout your story thus far is it's just a, it's a story of perseverance. It's a story of grit. It's a story of resilience. But what really stands out for me is it's the story that each day is a beautiful day and that echoes into this whole brand that you have created that it is just that it's a reminder that every single day is a beautiful day despite the weather you could say despite the circumstances despite mm. what it is that's been thrown at you that if you stop to remind yourself and appreciate the the beauty in the day and you coming back home and not having $14 to your name and having a sleep on this bed that your mum and sister gave up and you hadn't seen them in two years and having nowhere to, nowhere in your mind where you feel you could turn to having a facial tear and still being okay with it and then two weeks later turning it around because it's, it's a beautiful day. Oh, I've got $14 in my bank account. Well, it's a beautiful day. Oh, I now have a lot of money in my bank account. Oh, it's a beautiful day. It just seems to be the reoccurring theme here and I think that's what's... I'm so stoked to have you on about and that what, what you'd actually share, which is what you are sharing, is this 
is this key fact. And for those listening, just echoing it again, and that, you know, even if you're in the darkest hole, that just remember it's a beautiful day. And no matter where you are in your timeline, that you can have the 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 potential and the possibility to get through it. Like you do have the potential and you and it's there's constantly possibility of getting through it and getting to where you need to go. And it just sounds like that's something that, you know, you've you've lived, bro. And it's fucking inspiring and important because other brothers out there, especially, especially in New Zealand with the rates of suicide now, that a lot of it is because a lot of that probably is because they feel there's nowhere to turn. A lot of that probably has got to do with this feeling of um, insignificance and lack of worth. Mm. And if we can just remind ourselves that it's a beautiful day, you know, I woke up today depressed, but that's okay. It's a beautiful day. You know, it's not always going to be um, internally the, the best representation of a beautiful day, but just know that it is. But uh, there's things that they can uh, work, uh adjust in their life to be able to uh, clear up those energies so that they wake up feeling good, you know? But that's, that's a more, we, we can talk about that as well. But those, those, of, those people who are in a dark hole at the moment, they should know that these times they're going through are very special moments and they can literally be the darkest and most insightful times of their life. There are so many lessons to learn about yourself when you are deep in, in these holes. So look at it as just an opportunity to, to get out of the situation that you're in and know where you do not want to end up again. <laughs> Amen, bro. Amen, brother. Yeah. I don't know more to say to that because that's, that's it's so true. And um, yeah, I want to um, kind of, you you spoke about it, I want to talk about it, is that bike journey that you and Eleanor went on. Like what, what was that? What the fuck, bro? Like that in itself is, is a monumental feat. Could you explain what that what what it is that you two did yes but i have to give uh, i have to give props to an amazing guy that i met while i was in nepal i was in nepal climbing uh, mountains and at the hostel where i was staying there was a moroccan a moroccan guy he was around just uh, before 30 and um, he had come to Asia by bicycle he had done so th this guy was Moroccan his passport is shit and he had gone and and they don't have much in Morocco he had gone from Morocco all around Africa with the bicycle which took him two years and then uh, flew somewhere into Asia and was now riding through Asia. And when I heard how this guy reached the hostel where I was staying and 
he's a he's a fighter as well. The way he was making money, he was literally fighting people along the way for money. When I heard this guy's story, it just blew my fucking brains. And I I had to experience for myself what life would be like, the uncertainty of every day to this extent, the the unimaginable challenges that come with being out in the open and uh, having to figure it all out no matter what uh, weather conditions, no matter what, uh, how much food you have, water, um, shelter, figuring all this out was just next level for me and I wanted to experience it. So when we left Nepal, we got a tandem bicycle. And uh, me and my partner, we sat on this tandem bicycle, which was really a journey of tandem, learning tandem about. Tandem bicycle is where you have two two seats and uh, um, the pedals obviously go in unison. So in order for it to go forward, you guys must both. Uh, the thing is, if even if you ride a tandem bicycle on your own, the back pedals will spin automatically anyway. Yeah, because yeah. Because the yeah. they are in unison. It's in unison, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. So we got this tandem bicycle and this journey <coughs> was, was more than just a bicycle ride, which people, some people don't understand. They, they look from the outside and they see oh, they just want to ride a bicycle. But unless you've experienced something like this yourself, you cannot imagine how much you will learn on a journey like this, not just about yourself, but if you do it on a tandem like we did it, about how to, uh, how to be with your partner and, and just the world in general. It was, it was really... Uh, an amazing experience and I want to continue traveling by bike for sure. Yeah. So I want to tap into that then because you're, you're absolutely right from the outside looking and it's like, Oh yeah, these two are just going on a bike ride through freaking Europe. Where, first of all, where did you start and where did you end? We started in the middle of Germany and we ended in Mauritania. For those who don't know, Mauritania is the country just after Western Sahara, after Morocco. So you go through Morocco, Western Sahara, and uh, you cross into Mauritania. And we were actually in the Sahara Desert when COVID started, which is what put an end to our bicycle trip because we wanted to go further. So we were in the desert when this all happened. Can you imagine, bro, we, we were in the desert, no internet, and then people are telling us that the world is literally falling apart. <laughs> we, we, were, we were thinking it was some sort of joke, you know? Absolutely. Like, and that's, that's a crazy thought, man, because you're so far removed from the reality that's being um, propelled via the media and then you're just completely outside of that so your whole view 
your whole lens on the world is completely far removed from this fed uh, view that, you know, the whole world is burning and then you're just outside of that. I can just only imagine what that must feel like, you know? <laughs> I, I, I still don't really know the impact that COVID has had on people because I've just been, the, the places that I've been in throughout these past couple of years have, it hasn't really touched me, you know? So I, I don't really know watch the news i don't i don't inform myself on covid i don't really know what's going on out there i just know where i am and it, it's fine here <laughs> <clears throat> yeah yeah i can imagine that man and that's another thing to all the places you went to as well i can see how that wouldn't be a reality because you're in these rural environments these villages and that's that's a lot of where you um, gave a lot of your time as well. I saw in your stories, this is while I was traveling, I was following a lot of your journey and it was real cool to keep up with. And you did a lot of that. You did a lot of service work in villages and you helped out, you and Elena, you were helping out with poor, um, in these poor settlements. Well, poor, hey, poor probably financially, but they looked freaking happy. They looked abundant in life. That was something that I noticed a lot in the places you visited. Yeah, so that, that's something that I've experienced a lot these past years through traveling is that some of the people who have the least, they truly enjoy the smallest things. And recently with my financial situation as well, which has been humbling, I really got to experience how how to enjoy the smallest of things you know which has led me now to the path of yoga which is a lifestyle like you said the way you approach water the water that you drink which is 72 75 percent of our body the way that you intake the food and the way that you breathe the way that you sit the way that you stand i'm only now at 28 starting to come to these very basic but fundamental parts of our survival and um, riding through through Morocco and through Mauritania um, it, it is truly mm. an experience that I think a lot of people could benefit from uh, riding a bicycle in general yeah, people should ride their bicycle through their own city at least for their health and uh, mental and getting some fresh air but being in those situations that we were in we got to see how um, how others live and we we help as much as we can where we can you know yeah yeah what came up yeah. that's something i'm super curious about going on such a pilgrimage you know with a bike for so long how many days was it in total by the way uh, from Germany, it, was, to... it, it took us one year because wow. <laughs> because we stopped uh, we stopped in Mallorca, which is a small island, uh, just uh, maybe three hours from Barcelona. And on the um, east coast, yeah, it's basically on the east coast. East Coast, Close. off of Barcelona, is a little island in the middle of the 
Adriatic uh, Sea, I believe. It's Adriatic Sea. Oh, well, I'm glad you know geography better than I do, even yeah. though I'm... No, well, I've been. I've been. I've been. That's <laughs> why I know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so we, we stayed um, on this little island and um, we did 30, we worked 30 hours per week, both me and my partner at a um, retreat center, which was a nice change to the cycling. We had already done, uh, I think around 3000 kilometers of cycling to this point. And it was nice to change it up and have a bit of, uh, a bit of comfort. We had, we had our own bed and our own bathroom you know, that, that for me nowadays is comfort having a, and although I don't even need a bed, I think beds are overrated, but uh, <laughs> we, we worked 30 hours per week, both me and my partner at this uh, retreat center, and we got uh, accommodation and food in exchange. And during this time, I, I got another job next to it, a gardening uh, and we ended up being in Mallorca for about three months. And uh, then again, in uh, the desert where we were stuck because of COVID, we were there for about 10 weeks. So it took a year, but we were stationary for a little, a little periods of time. Yeah, wow. That's, yeah, that's, that's a pilgrimage, uh, a long journey and you said you it's a, it was real uh, a real powerful tool to be able to get to know your uh, your partner some more and that's something I'm kind of curious about is that in that journey like what was a lot of what you learned about yeah I guess you can only speak for yourself but I imagine Eleanor shared with you that what was what was some real key takeaways for you you two on that sort of journey I can tell you something funny on a tandem bicycle, you have to work together at all times, right? So if, if there is a disagreement, you have to sort it out in that moment. Otherwise, the bicycle will not move forward very fast. And trust me, I tried, bro. Going up a mountain, we had some disagreement. And she stopped pedaling. And, and I just, I wasn't going to give up, bro. <laughs> so I just, con I continued on my own. So you can imagine me going up this very steep mountain after hours of riding. And I'm just on my own trying to push this bicycle that weighs 200 kilos plus with fast sitting on it. And I'm just putting all of my energy into the pedals. And after a couple of minutes, I just had to say, all right, let's figure this out because we're not going to go anywhere unless we figure it out. So communication is definitely something that we learned throughout this journey and that it is important to sort out whatever disagreement you have with whoever you have sorted out as fast as possible. Mm -hmm. Do not hold to anything. Yeah, that speaks volumes because we're in a time now in this day and age where communication or lack of seems to be at the at the nucleus of so many problems nowadays in this world and 
our ability or inability to be able to communicate and get off our chest and actually speak what's on our actual mind and heart was so now far removed and worried about getting people's feelings hurt because, oh, nah, they'll probably think this and that. But it's like, nah, you're actually limiting that person of growth and limiting yourself of growth because you're not exposing yourself and confronting the problem at hand and communicating the problem at hand. What you're, what you're sharing just reminds me of that so much. Yes, and it is very important for people to remain calm during these uh, disagreements mm. at all costs and sometimes even just saying to whoever you're disagreeing with that you need a bit of time and not saying much more because this silence will you'll have time to reflect about the situation and then come back to it and really sort it out instead of raising your voice and saying things that you don't mean and uh, making a much bigger deal out of something that is unnecessary. So sometimes saying nothing is uh, very powerful. Mm. Yeah. Socrates talks about this actually. It br brings up that that to be angry for the right moment, for the right time, for the right duration, for the right intentions um, is is true. Is true wisdom, you could say, but to be angry and possessed by anger and the emotion and not be able to be uh, separate from that is where we have their problems so many problems yeah we people need to understand that they are not their thoughts and emotions yeah we are we can separate from those and Catalan has that tattooed on his crown of his head watch your thoughts right Mm, watch your thoughts yes, because yeah. thoughts thoughts will come and go but you do not need to engage and be engulfed by these thoughts and drown in your own head but there's techniques that you can do to to clear up your your inner like being silent i want to talk about that bro could you share that could you share that uh, with the listener about um, your, well, I don't know the full extent of it, your one year of silence? What, like, how does that even, how do you even begin that? What, what, what compelled you to even step into that territory? Because that is scary, man. It's a scary place. A lot of people, I've, I've personally done a Vipassana, which is a 10-day silent retreat. I've done that twice. So that for me was quite intense. And this, this is going to be a life, life journey for me. I find Vipassion is probably one of the most valuable things I've ever done in my life. But the thought of for a year being silent, I, how does that even come into your peripherals? Yeah. I, I told you earlier that at the age of 22, I was starting to try and correct uh, starting to do things differently in my life because I wanted, I didn't want to fall back into that hole again. And uh, fortunately, I had uh, the guy I was working for, his wife and kids, they were, part, they were my family as well. And uh, she, she's on a journey of her own, 
and very aware of the food that she's eating and health in general. She told me about a, an Australian dude. She told me about an Australian dude who had gone into silence for one year. Um, one sec, I'll just turn the AC on. She had told me about this guy who had gone into silence for one year to raise awareness about animals and veganism and how the animals are treated, the voiceless animals. And although I didn't understand much about veganism at the time, just hearing that somebody willingly stopped speaking for one year was, was something that stuck with me for a long, long time. And although I never paid much attention to it, it was always on the back of my mind. I, now and then, I would remember this dude and only try to imagine how it was possible to have so much self-control and, um, and stillness within to be able to not let out your emotions verbally. And because of a bunch of things that happened in my life, uh, it came, there came a time when I decided that for me to, to grow on this journey that I am on, I wanted to experience not sharing my point of view and just listening. I wanted to experience what it was like to, to deal with whatever happened internally on my own. And I had told people for maybe six months in advance that I was going to become silent. I was going to stop speaking for one year. And even just putting it out to the people, something so huge. And I made it public to everybody on our social media. So there was a lot of people who knew about this thing that I wanted to do, which put a little bit of pressure on me, but I knew that it was important for me to, to do this one year of silence, no matter what. And uh, so my mother and my partner, they already, they weren't surprised when I finally told them that the day had come for me to stop speaking. And uh, I decided to stop speaking when we were in the Sahara Desert once COVID started, because there wasn't much to do there really. And, uh, and the, the just felt right, the time had come. And that's how I began a journey that is really undescribable in words, because one year without speaking, I cannot uh, explain with just a few words. But there That's were many less. Just sorry to interject, but just just to really uh, <clears throat> clarify the intensity of such a situation is that you've got to think, listeners that don't even perceive the gravity of this, is that 
the discipline, the way you got to set your life up, the way your just day-to-day interactions will change in an instant. Just simple tasks of acquiring groceries and even just communicating to your partner, communicating to friends, the way you've got to even try to navigate just basic day-to-day tasks just completely flips everything on its head. Your Your whole life changes on its axis and you're just with yourself. You're, you're, you're literally, in a way, you're just with yourself. Even though you're going to still be interacting with people, you've got to understand, I can speak from experience because I've done, I've done two Vipassanas. And even when you're with people, you, you're, you're, you're with yourself. You can't, you can't try to deny or speak outwardly when thoughts arise that are dark or twisted or demented or thoughts that you don't really want to be uh, grappling with that, that they're just coming up and they're going to be constantly coming up but you have to deal with that day after day after a day for 365 days I'm just trying to really like just give like the gravity and, and, and contextualize for the listener the, 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 the intensity of this you know it just it just it just can't we just can't blush brush past this because in itself it's quite a feat bro, it's, it's literally the equivalent of someone doing their own Everest multiple times, you know, being able to speak, um, not speak for one year. And, uh, you know, my mind, my mind didn't want it. I can imagine. Building up, building up to this, in my mind, there were voices that tried to put it off. Um, when is the perfect time to go into silence? You know, I was trying to find the perfect time, but there is no perfect time to do something like this. And there was one, one key moment that happened while riding through Western Sahara. People got to understand, like, it was a road, we were riding at the bicycle on this road for over a thousand kilometers. And there was not much there. And there was one day uh, we were riding in the open. The street was so straight and so long that it was literally blending into the sky. And the sun was beating down on us. And I remember there was something going on within me that I was verbally releasing in a way that uh, uh, was not as nice as it could have been towards my partner. And I just remember her saying, I wish you went into silence already. And when she said those words, it was like an, like a knife in my heart but it it was a good it was a good thing for me to hear because the the person closest to me had at this moment literally had enough of hearing my voice and and of what i was saying and they shut me up for that day for sure like i i was not complaining about anything that day anymore and uh 
And when I found myself in the desert with Corona and everything, on the day, on the day that I, I that I stopped speaking, I went for a quick walk. We were staying in a small village that had an oasis. An oasis is a a place in the middle of nowhere, on this instance, where water. water was trickling through the rocks and there was life so in the middle of nowhere there was palm trees and everything and on this day when i stopped speaking we had not seen we had not felt rain for over three months at this moment when i stopped speaking a few drops of rain fell down and it felt to me like what I was going through internally as tears were running down my face, it was being replicated on a huge scale by the environment around me as if it was the, the moment I was being supported by this larger than life thing. And, uh, and from then on, <laughs> it started. <laughs> So how did you like communicate with Eleanor? Is it just like work, like typing on your phone? Yeah, I, I, I was typing on the phone when it was really necessary for me to say something. I would uh, write on the phone and show people, which was my least favorite part of the experience because I didn't want to be on, on my phone. And eventually, as time went, I used my phone less and less and became even more introverted. Uh, but I also just used simple hand movements, like saying, I don't speak to people. It, it was, you learn how to adapt again. Mm-hmm. And you will learn how to how to take care of yourself so that you do not die. <laughs> and what were uh, you, what what were some of the biggest insights, downloads? On on get? the second on the second day without speaking, I was sleeping in the tent next to this baby cat that we had in the desert with us. The cat was so small that it could it couldn't even feed itself. And I was taking care of this baby cat. It was in the tent sleeping next to me. It was very hot. The temperature's like 40 degrees and plus. Anyway, I was this on this morning I was sleeping in the tent and uh, my partner came to me and she asked me a question. She woke me up with a question. And uh, my reaction was to answer verbally. So I said a couple of words to her and I saw her put her finger to her mouth. And as soon as she put her finger to her mouth, I felt my heart drop into my stomach because I had just experienced the feeling of breaking this vow that I had made for a year. On the, on the second day, and I still had 360 plus days to go 
And on the second day, I already said a couple of words. And I kept my mouth shut. I had to accept that I spoke a couple of words and accept that um, and be okay with that and not beat myself up over it mm. because you can feel like a failure in that moment. And the mind will start to doubt. If I've already spoken on the second day, how was I going to stay silent for a whole year? The, the mind will crush you. So I had to... I had to learn to accept that moment and uh, it happened within this one year. I did speak about 15 words, no more. And only two out of those 15 words, I said willingly. The rest came out mm. uh, most being woken up with questions. And... Uh, I made friends during this one year. Although I wasn't speaking, I made friends. People were even more attracted to me. Although I was trying to be quiet and listen to them, people had more questions for me. You know, because all of a sudden they, they meet this person who looks the way I do, rides a bicycle, is in the desert, and then he doesn't speak. Like, why are you not speaking? I want to know. And then you're like in the situation where you're trying to just listen to other people, but they're asking, they're more interested in you, you know? So, yeah. What was some, it, what, what was like the, I don't want to reduce it, but what were some of the most uh, profound like insights you had though? That's what I'm curious about. You know, your, your, your journey, like what, what, you know, like your inspirations, your just life in general, your life, your purpose, your meaning. What was, what was arising in those, in those questions? If those questions even came up, it just, it's just, I just can't, yeah. Like the listener again, we can't even imagine. And there, it's so novel. Couple. It's so freaking novel, bro. You know, it's like, it's profound. <laughs> yeah. First of all, I've had many people say to me that I wish I could do that, but because <laughs> of my circumstances, I can't. And that's some bullshit. Yeah. Like, if, if you really, really want to do something and you feel like it's important and it will change the course of your life no matter how difficult it is no matter what situation you're in you will find a way to make it happen so i want to say that first of all and then what i experienced through this year is that whatever arises within us also dissipates within us for example there were times when I literally felt like I was being choked because I was feeling so strongly about what I wanted to say, but I was stopping myself from saying it. And I felt like I was suffocating. And in those moments, I had to learn when you suffocate, when you feel like suffocating, all you want is air. So in those moments, I had to learn 
how to really breathe, which may, it may sound simple for some, but part of our body, we're made of the five elements. And one of the elements is air. And the way that we breathe, the way that we'll breathe will determine how we're able to cope with a certain situation, slowing our heart down, etc. So I had to learn how to, how to breathe through those moments where it felt like I was literally being choked. And another thing that I think uh, was very powerful is uh, time. Because every time my mind thought about how much longer I had, the journey just seemed impossible. Every time I, I looked at the date, I got this overwhelming feeling of, uh, of not being able to complete what I had started. It, it was almost crippling me. So what I had to do is I had to literally stop caring about what day it was, what month it was even. I didn't even know what month I was in. <laughs> I got to a stage where I had no idea if I was, I had been silent for four, five, six months. I had no idea anymore because it did it really did not matter to me. That's good, all, that, all that mattered with, was how I was dealing with the present moment because that's what made my life uh, easy at the time. So when people say you got to live in the moment, you really, if you break that right, right down to breath and being conscious about what you're doing in every single moment, it is very, very powerful but something that we slip away from because the mind just takes us elsewhere and things start to become foggy. That's why there are practices that I do daily to keep myself clear. There's so much in that, um, Catalan. And it's like, uh, yeah, there's so much to, to, delve into but but it's almost got to be at the mercy of the listener to really try to uh, understand and explore these truths that you know there is that degree of uh, surrender to time uh, because we've set up our life to this timeline and I was talking about this um, with a friend uh, today, and this is a realization I've come to in the last two and a half months. I'm actually doing this um, challenge. It's called the 75 hard challenge. And basically what it entails is for 75 days straight, you got to stick to a diet. You got to drink a certain amount of water. Um, you got to train twice a day. Uh, you got to take this daily photo. Uh, and... Yeah, I think that's it. it's four tasks. 
take a daily yeah and anyway that in this process as i started this process obviously the 75 days versus 365 days but i think there's a lot of a lot of um, crossover here and there's a lot of um yeah qualities that are, that are similar is that the moment that you focus on the end goal the moment the mind what you just said how quickly that sees the task is going to be unattainable and unachievable because you're looking at the expanse of the timeline ahead. Whereas if you understand that you're going to get to the end goal, it will come, but the only way to get there is to be in this moment. And in other words, the only way to get to that end point is to not focus on the end point, but understand the process to get to the end point. Don't fixate on the end point, but understand that each moment, each step closer is part of the process. And that's the life in itself. That right there is the experience. It's not the end goal. It's the process of getting there and understanding that each one of those steps, each one of those singular moments, moment after moment after moment, that's existence in itself. That's life in itself. The end goal only comes in one moment anyway. The moment you get to that one moment, the end goal, the goal, the end point, that that moment goes just as quick. And then, there you, and then all of a sudden you're in a new moment and that moment's passed. So the moment that you focus on that end goal and become so dictated by it and possessed by it, you're basically not giving yourself the opportunity in this moment to live. You're basically resenting and throwing away your life because you're just focusing on this end point. And that end point is just one moment. And that's something that I'm hearing you say now, and this is, I can relate to this is as I've gone through this process, I've, I've, yeah, I've almost lost, I've stopped tracking it. And I realized that shit, I've only got X amount of days to go. And I'm like, whoa, but, in a way now, this is kind of part of my life. It's not really a challenge anymore. I'm not doing anything. There's nothing to do. I'm just living each moment, each day-to-day -day moment. But looking at that in the time frame of a year, I can see how for the layperson, that is just so extreme. But you can truncate it. You can make it just a five-day thing. You can just make it like a, a two-day thing, a one-day thing. For a whole day, don't talk. Or for a whole day or for a whole week, Wake up in the morning and have a gratitude diary or for a whole week, wake up in the morning and say that you love someone or you thank someone every day for a week. Start small, start small, but it can be so applicable into every little area. And that's kind of what I'm hearing in this. This one year is extreme, but you can truncate it to the layperson, the person listening now that doesn't think that they can do it within their capacity, which is another bullshit story, another bullshit narrative that they've decided to, to, to think of and decided to create as their reality. It's not true. Start small, start small. And I'm just, I just, it's something I just wanted to spitball that because it just, it speaks so much volume to me personally, because I can, I'm, I'm going through this process. I've gone through this process of having to be in the moment. It's literally all there is. Everybody's going through this process on a moment to moment basis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You don't need some challenge, eh? Yeah, bro. 100% brother it's yeah it's well bro I've, I've taken up I'm looking at the time man and this has been I can't get over it's nearly been two hours bro which is long it's a lot this is the longest conversation I've had but I before we kind of wrap up bro, I really want to talk about um the story but I just need to quickly go toilet I'm yeah. just gonna quickly go toilet 
But um, I want to talk about that when we come back because, yeah, have to. Yes, I'll be. And we are back. <laughs> That's the first time I've had to do that is go toilet mid-conversation, but I'm just going to edit it. So um, the book, bro, can we talk about that uh, just before we wrap up, brother? Because, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, what we've um, explored has been so deeply uh, insightful and I'm, again, super grateful uh so with the with the story with the writing like what what kind of how'd that come about and what is it about what's the story about so i've spent i started writing this book it's an autobiography i started writing this book uh, in january of 2021 i still had uh, three months <coughs> last three Islands that I was in and I found myself in a situation I also traveled on the bicycle alone while being in silence into the mountains etc but uh, I found myself in uh, my partner's mom's house during the coldest and most snowy winter they had in Germany for as long as she could remember since she was a child. And I had this, I had bought this computer for this purpose only to write this book. And writing this book is a goal that I put on my wall uh, four years ago. And I gave myself five years to write a book. I didn't know exactly what book I was going to write, but it only made sense for me now to write an autobiography which is how you say people should write down what they're grateful for, uh, what their insecurities are, et cetera, et cetera, which is a, a very good thing to do. So this book for me has literally been a, a recap of everything that I've gone through. And it's been a, an interesting process to go through over and over again. I've read the book now maybe five times because I'm having to correct spelling mistakes because my writing ain't so good because I didn't listen in school. So I'm learning, I'm literally learning how to spell now while writing this book, bro. It's been a mammoth, it's been a huge, huge project for me. And, uh, and I'm putting a thousand photos in there. And wow. the, the, the intention behind this book was firstly for myself to have something to read when I'm an old man or for my kids and grandkids just to be able to read and see visuals of what, um, what I did when I was younger or for anyone else interested. But it was firstly for myself. And... Um, I would like to continue writing books maybe every five years or so um, and to see how much I am growing along the journey. And uh, for those who are interested to read, I'm sure there are plenty of lessons there. And if, if they don't learn anything, at least it's uh, entertaining. Some parts are entertaining. I go, I go into all the details about everything losing virginity 
the problems with alcohol, uh, relationship stuff, traveling, my own struggles, uh, tattoos, everything that I've been through is all in this book, which has been a wonderful experience. And also at times, similar to every huge challenge that we take on, the mind has just tried to to uh, freak me out of um, completion because the the challenge itself is so great and takes so much attention. And I have no expectation for this book. I'm going to give it to the people for free. There's going to be an online version that everybody can have for free. And I have no expectation of uh, what will come from it at the end, which has been a very, very beautiful thing for me to do something which is taking so much of my time and energy and not want something at the end of it. That has been amazing. That's incredibly liberating, it sounds like, bro. Yes. To be able to do something without having an expected outcome. Again, like what we're saying about the process, you're just in this process without any end focus on the, um, on the end point, but merely just in the process of it. Yes, you can, you can live life uh, with expectations. Yes. Where, where will people be able to eventually find this book? Uh, I will share a link on, um, on our social media platform on Instagram. Yeah, great. I'm sure, I'm sure you'll let them know where they can find it. Yeah. Or how, how do people listen to your podcast? Uh, they listen to it on Apple Podcasts um, and Spotify, and I'm, eventually, I'm adding it to Google, Google Play as well. So those three, and Amazon, and Amazon as well. So it's going to be all on there. Nice, brother. I'm, I'm happy for you. I'm, I'm happy that you're taking on this uh, journey of communication with people and continuous growth and learning. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. Yeah, and I wish you. you all the Thank you, brother. I pre appreciate it. It means a lot. And I guess we're both on our own journey in that, in that right. We're both for our projects, uh, our projects of meaning, our projects of value. And again, what the real um, theme of this podcast is, is service how much I truly believe living a life of service. And it sounds like you're living that life. You've lived a life where you've served your highest purpose and are continually living that highest purpose. And I'm glad that we could have this conversation to really explore it, to talk about it, to hear your cool, your, your cool adventures. And um, I'm super fucking excited to see what our next adventures come back. And I'm looking forward to when we can um, connect in flesh, bro, and go on an adventure, bro, like a run, like a crazy walk, a crazy something, bro. I reckon if we do it, bro. What's that? I'm going to be on the bicycle. I want to be uh, riding this bicycle for four or five years to come uh, from Indonesia towards China and then into India and doing the whole East coast of Africa. So I'll be riding this tandem bicycle and at yeah. times the backs will be free. So yeah, I'm willing, willing to take uh, uh, people with me for certain periods of time to experience this lifestyle along the way. And uh, wow. 
Maybe one day you'll be sitting on the bike with me. Yeah, bro. Let's, let's manifest that, bro. I can truly see that happening, bro. I'm not even exaggerating. I could totally see that happening. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, well, bro. Uh, for those for those listening, I just want to say that they can really do anything that they want. It is just a matter of fine-tuning a few things, set yourself up in a way that uh, you start the day off well and positive and reduce the amount of toxins that you put in your body and the sky's the limit. Beautiful, bro. Couldn't have finished any better. Um, I will um, add your social links via the description. Uh, and yeah, brother, I really thank you for your time, your wisdom and your stories, bro. You're so clear. And that was a freaking, probably one of my favorite conversations I've had, not to compare the others, but I was just so engaged. You're a great storyteller. Um, and I think we'll definitely be doing more of these podcasts. You're cutting up. No. Oh, is it, is it, is it, have you got me now? Is that better? Am I still cutting out? It might be from my internet here. Okay. Thank you very much for having me, brother. Okay, brother. Love you, my man. I, Peace out, bro. I wish you all the best. Thank you, brother. Speak soon. And how was that? How did we go? How did you find Catalan? How diverse and how broad that man is in his knowledge and his journey. Don't you think this is crazy, the journey, even just on the tandem bike with his partner from Germany all the way to Africa. It's just, yeah, quite surreal. And to think that he did that and a part of that was in silence is just another mind-boggling task. Anyway, I hope you all got something away from this conversation and I really hope you took something that you could add into your own life and to incorporate and to look at and to consider and to implement. Again, these podcasts aren't just for show, they really are to help you and myself as we journey and endeavor this path of life that we're all on. We're all going through it, we all suffer, and having tools and having great minds to guide us, to inform us, to remind us, to inspire us, that is the purpose of this podcast. So if you're feeling like you want to support, the best way would be to like and to share it and to comment on iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, even on Spotify and share it on your social media. Leave a review and just rate it. It would go a long way and it really helps boost the podcast's audience. So if you could do that, I would be absolutely in a state of gratitude towards each and every one of you. Look forward to sharing the next few episodes to come. There's a lot of exciting guests coming up and I will keep these coming. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode. Make sure to be on the path.
stay working through all your shit that comes up and just sit with it and move through it. I love you all and I'll see you on the next one. Peace and love.